my phone, my phone, my contract with AT&T, I'm, I'm out of contract. I'm a free agent, baby. I have been for a while, but I'm holding out. You know what I'm holding out for? Actually, I am holding out for that. But Windows Mobile 7. If you thought Windows 7 was great, Windows Mobile 7 will change your life. It'll change diapers. It's that good. I mean, it's going to put the iPhone just to shame, okay? So I'm holding out. I'm waiting. And I can't, and I have, I have thoughts. I, I got an advertisement from uh, Microsoft. They emailed me, and I went to the link, and it was all these people talking about how Windows 7 will just change your life, and it's great. And I thought, oh, happiness. I remember when I walked away from the AT&T store with my Samsung. You know, the new phone, when you have that new phone feel, and there's no scratches or tarnishes or anything, and it glimmers in the sun. And when you, the sun shines on it, you hear the angelic voices, don't you? And it can take pictures. It can't change diapers, though. Um, Windows 7 will. I also have... I, it's, it could. I also have in my mind, I, I've, I've picked out a 15-foot Neki kayak. And, and the thing about this kayak is that in the back, okay, so you're paddling along, in the back, it has two compartments. Oh. See, my, my kayak right now, it only has guess how many? One. See, in, in America, which is better, one or two? Two. Go Americans. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so it has two, and I have this, I have this sense that if I have two compartments, it'll, it, my happiness quotient will fill up a little bit more. See, you're, you do the same things, don't you? How many, how, many of you, how many of you have a closet full of clothes? Yeah. If you have a closet full of clothes and you plan to go shopping to buy more clothes later this week or this month, what's that all about? Why are you buying clothes to put clothes in a closet full of clothes that has clothes you don't even wear? And that your husband or your wife, well, let's be fair, <laughs> says, you never wear that. I've never seen you in that in 20 years. And there it is. There it hangs. Oh, okay. What's that all about? Well, see, like me, you, you do certain things to make yourself happy. And sometimes it's related to purchases. And, and so you go out, you go shopping, and when you buy new clothes, clothes that are in style clothes, clothes that fit, I mean, how hard is that? It actually fits, okay? And then you feel a little better about yourself. And there's that little happiness thing, and it comes up again. Oh, it's such a great feeling. Um, I know, some of you guys are thinking, I don't do that at all. Well, how many of you guys have ever dropped a phone in the toilet just to get an upgrade? Honey, come here. You're not going to believe what Maddie did. Maddie put my phone in the toilet. Shame on you, Maddie. I didn't do it. Liar. <laughs> That's a lying dog right there, Jenny. She, I saw her drop that phone in the toilet. It's ruined. Bad Maddie. Good. <laughs> What's that all about? What, the phone doesn't work and you have to get a new phone? The new phone will somehow make you happier than the phone you have phone? But we do these things all the time. We do these. And I won't even get into cars, trucks, or houses today. That's just dangerous, dangerous territory. But on any given day, we all get up and we do things that make us happy. The problem with that is that what makes us happy today doesn't always translate into what will make us happy down the road. I think of some uh, of the things that went on with my high school friends. 
my high school friends, a number of them, started smoking. And I'm not going to extol the vices or virtues of smoking today. Okay, that's not the point. But they all started smoking for these kinds of reasons. Oh, it was cool. You kind of felt like a grown-up in a way that you weren't because mom and dad were always trying to put you down. And there was, there was a status factor to it. But of all my friends who started, now that they're in their early 40s, I don't know of a single one that goes, man, that was a great road to get on. I wish I, you know. So again, what, what th- was perceived to make happiness didn't translate out. Or then I've got people and they were on the Big Mac Happy Meal plan. And it's a great plan to go, I love McDonald's. And if you get two or three Happy Meals, it's even more happiness in, in your body. And, but the problem is when it, you look in the mirror or swim season comes around, it's, you know, ouch. And, and so... Again, what the happiness now doesn't always translate into the happiness later. Um, and what about all that stuff that you and I get from Walmart and Sam's Club? I mean, do you even know where that stuff is? is it, can you find it in your house? And then, but when you went home with that new toaster, you just knew it was going to bring a little modicum of happiness because this toaster had bagel size slots. It wasn't like your cheesy toaster that you had before. It could cook four bagels at once, baby. It was the Toastomatic 5000. Okay, and you can't probably can't even find it. And I know this this is not new information. I know you're some of you teenagers probably gone home the last couple of weeks and you went, Mom, Dad, I I could be a pastor if all they do is stand up and tell you what you already know. Duh. (laughs) Okay, I get it. But I want today. I want to put. I want to establish a premise. And to get there, I want to talk about a few things first. Um, You and I are never on a quest for truth in our lives. Here in America, what drives our quests, what drives our journeys is this quest for happiness. And, and so we're on this quest for happiness. And we do this uh, with purchases, uh, with relationships, with major decisions. The problem is a lot of times we'll let our heart and our emotions lead the decision. I mean, think about the last new car purchase you had. That was not an emotionally neutral decision, was it? If you're a guy, it was not an emotionally neutral decision. It had the new car smell. You could see, I mean, it just had the glimmer in the sun. I mean, there was emotion involved in the decision. And see, the thing is, when you and I let our hearts lead, when it comes to decisions, our hearts can often lead us to the place that we most want to avoid. And that's what I want to talk about today, is the fact that our hearts, our emotions, aren't necessarily the best thing to have driving your decision-making and your choices that you make when you choose which road to get on. And here's the funny thing. Isn't this true? You do this. I do this. Once you've locked onto a decision that your emotion or your heart has led, what happens is uh, you assign your brain the task of coming up for reasons for it. You know, think of any love relationships you've had or some purchases that were just clearly unwise but, you know, the motion was there, and the, oh, I want it. And, and so, boom, all of a sudden, you're knocking on your brain. Hello, Mr. Brain. Uh, it's Max. I'd like you to come up with at least three reasons why this relationship will work so that, you know, mom and dad could be satiated for at least a month. Okay, um, we're both math majors. Great, that's awesome. Math majors, it's going to work, you know. And so we come up, we, we, we assign our brain the task of rationalizing, coming up with reasons of why our decision you know, is a good one, even though it's our emotions uh, that, that led us along that way. And love, by the way, will practically blind you to all common sense. I mean, you know this, I know this, it happens. Um, and so here, here's the premise today, and here's where I want us to start. 
To get where you need to go, you have to know where you are. And in order to know where you are, it's going to take some honesty about some of the decisions and roads that you've, you've made. Um, and knowing where you are requires some brutal honesty. Um, and by way of reminder, this message, this whole series is borrowed, okay? So there's nothing new uh, here. It's borrowed from Andy Stanley and his principle of the path. But I, I, I want to kind of do a pivot point today in the series on highways. And we're going to finish talking about human nature today. And then the next five weeks, we're going to talk about something practical each and every day that you can do to get on a different road or to get on the, make sure you're on the road that's going to take you where you want to, to go or where God wants you to go. If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. Old Testament. Um, so by way of review, first week we said direction, not intention, determines destination. It's the road you're on that's going to determine where you end up. Last week, we talked about the fact that there's this disconnect that will happen with you and me. In other words, we make decisions or we get on a road, but we don't always see where the road is going. Today, I want to talk about the fact that your heart, my heart, when our hearts and our emotions are driving things, it can often put us on the road that we don't want to go on. And so uh, Jeremiah beautifully talks about this. Jeremiah chapter 17 and in order to get to the passage that we're going to be in, I want to tell you a little bit about Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. I share a personality disposition with Jeremiah. We're all going to die. It's terrible. Oh, the sky is falling. I knew it would. This is, uh, this is my favorite scene. That's my favorite scene from the Heffalump movie, which I've seen a thousand gazillion times because it's Maddie's favorite. Eeyore comes along, and they don't know what's happened. And, and, and Piglet's like, oh, oh, the sky is falling. And Eeyore goes, the sky is falling, always knew it would. <laughs> like, it's great, it's awesome, okay? Jeremiah is a curmudgeon prophet, a glass half empty, we're all going to die, it's terrible, okay? He was born and raised in this little town called um, Anathoth. It was just a little itty tiny town northeast of Jerusalem. And the thing about Jeremiah is that his messages were never well received. I mean, you know, if your message is, we're all going to die, and, you know, God's going to nuke us, and it doesn't ever play out well. So his messages weren't well received. His hometown at one point, these are his family, his friends. His hometown actually plotted against him to take him out. That's horrible. Oh, okay. He was persecuted, and for 40-plus years of ministry, guess how many converts he had? Two. Ding! Take that, Andy Stanley, and you're 15,000. I got two, baby. I know, it's terrible. Just two. Baruch, Baruch, his scribe, was one of the converts. And then this guy, Ebed Melech, who was one of the Ethiopian eunuchs who worked for the king. That's it. 40 plus years of ministry, and he only won two people over to what God was wanting to do through Jeremiah. All right? That's horrible. Okay, so again, Jeremiah's main message for most of his ministry was. Hey, Israel, hey, Israelites, Judah, God's going to nuke all of us because we're not doing what God wants, and he's going to use the Babylonians to do it. Beware, beware. Okay, and so that was his message. He, he watched, and you got to, I, I have a lot of sympathy for him. Uh, he watched as his warnings were ignored, and he watched it all play out, and he actually got deported to Egypt, his, his, the capital city was, was t taken and the people were deported. I mean, everything that he 
prophesied came to play out. I mean, all of it. It's just amazing. And, uh, and so in chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, that's where we're going to be today. And this is a little section to Judah. And, and Jeremiah says this, The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things? What? Yeah. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I know, I the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And in these two little juicy verses from Jeremiah, you have a huge theological statement. Um, and for those of you that are lifer Christians, I'm going to give you something to talk about today at the lunch table. You can actually bring up your old theology you haven't gotten to use in probably five plus years, all right? Jeremiah is saying something very powerful. God's saying something very powerful through Jeremiah in this passage. And what God is saying is, your heart's depraved, it's wicked. And without God's transforming power, without God at work, it'll lead you to places you don't want to go. If you follow your heart in making decisions, if you follow your heart in life, you could end up in the place you most want to avoid. The heart is deceitful among, um, uh, above all things. This is a powerful theological statement. If you read in Christian literature, this is totally contrary to what, say, John Eldridge would say, which is, trust your heart, go with your heart, just follow your heart's leading, your heart's good. Um, and, and so this is more like what Augustine would say. Your heart, whoa, baby, you need to be on your knees for God before God for a while before you follow your heart down a path. And so I want to unpack this a little bit. In, in this context, in, in, in the Old Testament, the heart was the seat of your, uh, your emotions, and it, and it also involved your will, your decision-making capacity as a person. Okay, so, so Jeremiah is saying your decision-making capacity has this tendency to be deceitful. And the word there means uneven. It, it, it can apply to a literally a really bad road, <laughs> ironically. Um, and so, and, and he raises this question, who can understand it? Well, let, me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you find yourself saying to yourself, what was I thinking? What were they thinking? Or, I don't understand why I did that. That was so dumb. There might be a heart issue in play. And the thing is, you probably weren't thinking when you made the decision. You were probably just feeling your way through the decision. And again, there's nothing wrong with emotions. There's nothing, you know, emotions are what they are. And God can change hearts. In another part of the Old Testament, he says, I'll write my law on their hearts. The day will come where I'm going to change hearts. Okay? So God has that capacity. Keep that in mind. But on its own, your heart, my heart, can lead us down paths um, that, that take us where we don't want to go. So what does that mean for you and me today? Um, I think it requires you and I to, to take some uh, to take some steps to be honest with ourselves in some of the decisions that we're making. And in other words, if we have to know where we are to know where we're going, then we probably ought to unpack some things. And there may be decisions in your life or in my life where we've let our heart lead us and we've gone down a path and we've assigned our brain the task of justifying some things. And, and here, here's some statements that maybe uh, can unpack some things in, in your life. Um, 
if you think about things and decisions that you made, uh, could you complete this sentence in a way that could illuminate things for you? The real reason I lie about my family is not what I tell my parents, not what I tell my friends. The real reason I lie about everything is the real reason I filed for divorce is the real reason for my credit card debt is the real reason that we moved in together was the real reason I won't call my kids is um, because, again, uh, remember that the heart and emotion, it, it can cloud things. It can make things murky. Um, and so uh, I've got some homework, and, and this might be the most helpful thing of all. And I've got three questions that I want to pose. All right, We say at Generations we like to ask questions. So if it's the case, if it's the case that my heart, my emotions can sometimes take me down a path that I don't want to go down, Let's say I go into a car dealership and I sign a fleece that I really didn't want to sign, but the car was really shiny and the salesman was really, you know, I just liked him and da-da-da-da, or whatever it is. Or I got into a relationship that maybe wasn't the wisest relationship, or I'm about to make a decision um, and I've let my emotion take on. Here's some questions to kind of filter that out, all right? Question number one is kind of a no-brainer, but it's worth asking anyway. Why am I doing this really? Not the reason that I tell mom and dad on the phone, but why am I really wanting to do this? What's really at stake? What's really at play here? And then a second question, if someone in my circumstances came to me for advice, what would I tell them? And, and the beauty there is if you would tell your friend to do something that is the opposite of what you're doing, you, you've just helped yourself out, right? <laughs> If, you have a, you know, if someone in my circumstances came to me for advice, what course of action would I recommend? And then lastly, in light of my past experience, my hopes and my dreams for the future, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences, my hopes and dreams for the future, what's the wise thing to do? Here's how it'll play out in your life, in my life. The next time you're at the car dealership, just recognize emotion is at play. Um, and factor that into the decision-making matrix. If you're single, or even if you're married, the next time you meet someone and it causes flutter feelings in your heart, realize that emotions at play and there are heart issues at play. Just be careful. Um, and it may, be, uh, it may be an okay road that you're on. Uh, the, the caveat that Jeremiah would want us to make is just make sure that you don't go down that road blindly, following your heart somewhere that you don't, being fueled by emotion, going somewhere you're not intending. Um, and why is this important? Again, because I really do believe that our hearts can sometimes take us to the place we most want to avoid. And if you're honest with yourself, if you're, you know, turning this thing around, your life thing around and the decisions and relationships, it really provides the opportunity to make some course corrections. Next week, we're going to talk about the biggest, most practical thing you can do, and then every week after that, it's practical, practical, practical. But I couldn't let a week go by without wading a little bit more into human nature, and this plays out in your life and my life. Um, there are several things that I've done where uh, I have uh, talked myself into something, or I've done the reasoning, uh, and, and, it's, and the funny thing is in life, how, do you ever run into somebody and you know they traded in an SUV for a different SUV, and they're telling you all about the gas mileage. Have you ever run into somebody who just holds up their phone or says about their car? Well, I just, I wanted it. 
we never do that, do we? We never say, well, I just, I wanted it. It, you know, it was shiny and walked away and I got it. It was no big, you know, nobody says that. We always, we always assign. So realize emotion can do that. Can I pray for you and pray for me? 